Hi, this is Jason at BWC. Welcome to this podcast of our adult Bible study on Wednesday nights. Let's join Pastor Pat Dale as he shares with the group. All right. Well, we have been cruising through First and Second Peter, and uh, I think it's been some pretty cool deep waters. And um, we could get as deep into it as we wanted to, but uh, I'm going to try to keep it understandable. So, if you have your Bibles, kick it over to Second Peter. And we have been in this study for quite some time. Second Peter, and we are still in chapter one. And uh, sometimes we do topical studies, sometimes we study subjects, sometimes we study verse by verse, and this is kind of what we're doing tonight is kind of a verse by verse thing. So and I, I I feel you if you're not really into Bible stuff, because I know Bible stuff can be real boring. Let's just get real. Sometimes the way we read the Bible can be boring, but it's not intended that way. So when you start to read the Bible, find a cool version you're comfortable with and pray before you read. Say, God, let me see something for real here. I don't want to just another big word. I, I, I want to see something for real. So last week we left off that we established there's nothing you can do to add to your salvation. The Bible says that you're saved by grace through faith. And that's it. It's not how much money you give the church. It's not how many hours you pray. It's not how many books you can uh, respond to. It's not how many verses you can memorize. If you're saved, it's because Jesus is good and you accepted it. That's all it is to it. So there's nothing you can add to salvation. Your salvation sets your eternity. When you say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and I want you to forgive me of my sins, guess what? You're going to heaven. That's, that's the end of it, right? But then we have to live after we make that decision. And that kind of stinks sometimes. Wouldn't it be cool if you know you got everything right and everything's cool and you just go on home to glory, man? Wouldn't that be just cool? But in the meantime, here we are and we got drama. So we have to live like the Bible tells us to live. So there's nothing you can do to add to your salvation. But we left off last week. We started talking about faith additives. Um, additives are something you can add to something to make it even better. And we started talking about is there any uh, is there any cooks in the house? And we started asking what are some some of your favorite things you add to the pot to the to the kettle? What what is it? Some of the things you you add? And and I told you all my wife loves to put garlic salt on just about everything, and I'm I'm in I'm in on garlic salt. I love lemon pepper. And of course, the king is woozy, uh, Worcestershire sauce, or however y'all say it. I don't know. It's woozy at my house. I douse everything. Just run the plate with it. That's cool. And, and then, of course, the number one thing, the number one thing that makes everything the best is ketchup. Ketchup is from Jesus, and, and we must respect it as such. I like ketchup on everything. So there are things you can add. I don't care how good the slice of meat is. I don't care how good your vegetables are. There's things you can add into that pot and make it snap, make it pop. There's stuff. You ever ate something that's just bland? You're like, man, you get, get all excited and you're thinking this is going to be killer. And it's just like, that's nasty, man. Don't you all have no salt and pepper? What's up? Well, the same thing can be added to your faith. And, and we're going to kick it over to verse 
5, verse 5. Let's look at verse 5 because that's where we left off last week. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. There's extra Bibles in the back if you need any. Um, verse 5. But also, for this very reason, give all diligence, add to your faith. That jumped off the page to me. Add to your faith. Virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And we'll pause right there. That's a mouthful, I know. But it jumped off the page at me that said, you can add to your faith. I've never seen that, and I've been around for a long time. I've never seen that you can add to your faith. So we begin to talk about things that we could add to our lives to make our lives even better. And this is what Peter is talking about here. Peter knows that his time's about up. As we get further into this chapter, you're going to know, y'all, I'm about to check out, so I'm going to drop some knowledge on you right here. And, and you straight up need to listen to it. So I know that it's a lot of big words right there in a row, so we're going to break them down. So... Uh, Let's, let's just break them down in verse 5 there. He says some of the additives that you could add to your faith. The first one he mentions is virtue. Now because I write like a third grader, I'm going to stick this up here so you all can hopefully read it. And uh, can you all read that? So you all bring your glasses today? <laughs> um, virtue. Virtue is moral excellence. Moral excellence. Every day you have an opportunity to see what you can get away with. Every day you can be shady. Every day nobody's looking at you on this one area. And you could if you wanted to. And it crossed your mind. But virtue will tell you, don't don't jack with that. Don't mess with that. That's bad news. Moral excellence. So, it's pretty simple, right? Now the word that we've been talking about the last two weeks, previous leading up to this, was knowing God. And the the second additive you can add to your faith is knowledge. We talked about the base word of knowledge is know. Knowing God. Now we talked about knowing God is more than just recognizing Him. It's more than just picking Him out of a lineup. Knowing God on intimate levels more than just recognizing Him. you got to know Him. You want to add something to your faith to make your life smell and look and taste better? Put virtue with it and start walking in some knowledge. How do you get knowledge? You read the Word of God. You pray. It's easy. It's easy in theory. Whether you do it or not, it's up to you all. Um, so, we got to get to know God. And, and I've, I've, I've beat that horse to death, so I'm not going to stay on there too long. But what it means is I want knowledge and I want understanding. I want to know God deeper. So that's what you're going to add. We're going to kind of fly through these. I'm not going to dissect every one of them. And then there's one that I I have trouble finding in the church today. And I'll make sure I'm doing these in order. (laughs) Verse 5, where'd you go, dude? Okay. To knowledge. Okay, self-control. And I know Pastor Dave has to deal with this topic a lot. Because if you're a teenager, you got control problems. But if you a loudmouth Christian that likes to gossip, you got the same problem. You may you may not you may not have sexual self control issues, but you might have run in your mouth self control issues. 
So don't look down on a teenager that's struggling when you when you one of the biggest tongues in the church. Don't don't be don't be acting like that. Add self control. Here's the thing. God gave us all a measure of faith, according to Romans. He gave us what we call a saving grace, enough faith to get saved. I know that in the 80s, there wasn't too many days that I wasn't in altered state of mind. I was in the party scene, hardcore. And I I wasn't a man of faith, but when I finally got saved for the 10,000th time, you know, and it really stuck... God gave me a present of faith. And He said, I'm going to give you enough faith to get saved, to get born again, to get things right with me. And man, He gave it to me many, many times before and since. Because when you get sideways, you've got to run to Jesus. It's that simple. But He gives you a certain amount. It's, the Bible calls it the measure of faith. So, faith is what is given by God. Faith additives are what's given by you. God can love your pants off, man. God can love the socks off of you. But you're the one that has to act this thing out. You can have a preacher tell you what to do every day. At the end of the day, it's you. You have to live with what you act like. You're the one that has to add to your faith if you want to make your life better. Let's, let's keep going. And, and I'm not taking a whole lot of time here. Um, the next one should be Perseverance. Perseverance in the Greek right there means endurance. All you flashes in the pan, all of those of you that get excited, you get juiced up for Jesus and you're going to take the city for Jesus, and then three weeks later, we don't know where you're at. You burn up in two weeks. The reason is you have no perseverance. I think this is a huge thing for the church because if everybody that got turned on to Jesus would have hung out and stayed on their post, the city would be saved. The city would be rocking. The, the crime rate would be down all across the world if Christians would, would hang in there. But see, what happens is Christians get all saved and juiced up and then they punk out. Why? Because they're on an emotional high. Man, if I can just rock, if I can come to church and get you cranked up, if I can preach and sweat and spit all over you, and if we can turn up the drums loud enough, I can get you excited enough that it'll last you for a day or two, but then life hits the fan again, and where's your perseverance? I know personally, and you know, you could probably think of some, and in fact, you may be one uh, of sprinters. But the Bible says that the race is not given to the swift, it's given to those who just keep going, keep going. You know, the tortoise and the hare, right? Perseverance. Let me ask you something about really what we could call this is endurance. If you have a complex medical issue, you know, it could be a heart issue, it could be stage 4 cancer, something that's like a real deal. Let me ask you, when you go to the hospital for help, Are you going to try to find, if it's up to you, if it's up to you, are you going to find a doctor that's been dealing with your specific illness for 20 years, or are you going to settle for an intern? Somebody that's studied case study after case study after case study, that's who I want working on me. That's who I want in my corner. That's that's the brain that I want to tap. The intern, that's cool, man. You're on your way. But look, i I got a short amount of time. I need somebody to do some business right here. And and it's cool that you're up and coming. But I want somebody that's been in this for a while. 
I want somebody that knows the ropes, that, that knows the surprises, that knows the hurdles. I want somebody like that inside of this chest. Or working on my disease, or working on whatever it is. And the same thing is true of Christians, man. There are new Christians that come in these doors all the time. And some of these lightweights will get a hold of them. They, they don't have nothing to impart. They're just flashes in the pan. They're looking for somebody that has been around. If I'm going through some stuff, I, I don't. I, I'm sorry, man. If you have a squeaky clean life, you're not going to help me. I've said that so many times. And those of you have, who have a perfectly clean life, I apologize, but you're not going to help me. I want somebody that's had their brains knocked out and still standing. I want somebody that has been to the edge and still loves God. I want somebody that's full of questions but still has faith. I want somebody with endurance. I want somebody with perseverance. And the thing is, you can pray for these things, but it's up to you. God's not going to put these on your doorstep, first class mail. This is stuff you have to do. These are your disciplines. He gave you enough faith to get saved. Now what are you going to do with it? Let's keep talking about additives. Uh... We're after perseverance. We go to... It gets pretty simple from here on out. It says, also add some godliness. Godliness, that's an old school word, right? That just means loving God. Love towards God. Living towards God. If you can do that, you're better than most. Most people talk about the concept of God. They don't do a whole lot with Him. But I'll, I'll move on. And then it talks about kindness, brotherly kindness. Uh, that's self-explanatory. We don't need to go into the Greek on that, I don't think. Uh, kindness. Try it sometime. It's pretty cool. Uh, actually, the word there is Philadelphia. What's Philadelphia called? The city of brotherly love. That's, that's exactly what the word kindness right there means. So, just to make sure you got that point, he follows up. In case you don't understand what kindness is, try some love on. Let's do that. That agape, that brotherly love. So these are faith additives. And uh, this is your doing. This ain't your preacher. This ain't your favorite Christian band. This is you. And that's why you see so few of it. You see a lot of vanilla Christians... They got just enough Jesus to get by, but they ain't helping anybody. They're just squeaking by on grace. They're not interested in growing. They're not interested in growing up and and putting on their big boy britches and being a man of God and a woman of God. They're cool with being little children. And I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to make sure that you're never comfortable being that. So what we have here are faith additives. And um, when you add these to your faith... People will recognize you. Um, Look at this list and I want you to ask yourself, what's on this list that you need to be working on? Because he's telling us this is the things that we need to add to what we've got. Oh yeah, put your Christian badge down for a minute, take your Christian mask off for a minute and get real. Are you trying to live with these, these attributes? Are you trying to work within those you know what we could do instead of calling it faith additives, we could just call this our, the Christian spice rack. So you got your faith in the pot. This is what you got to add to them because you need some flavor, man. Ain't nothing, you know. You know what I'm talking about. 
You just get a vanilla person that they they don't have any joy, they ain't got any happiness, and they're shady. You can't count on them. They they continually fall. They don't know Jesus from God, from the Holy Spirit. They don't they don't know moral excellence. Every chance I get, I'm going to mess it up. These are some stuff you need to do. Not only for yourself, but for everyone around you. All right. Now, that was a quick drive by. Let's let's move on. All these additives are going to take you someplace. Let's let's look at verse eight. For if these things are yours and abound, you will never, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the, those words right there means? You'll, there's never going to be a time when you're not producing fruit. There's never going to be a time you can actually use the word unemployed there. You'll never be unemployed by God. I'm not going to say you'll never be unemployed in this world. I'm not going to say you'll never get laid off. But what it's saying is if you, if you rock these things along with your faith, the Bible right here tells us there's never going to be a time when you're barren. Now, I don't know if you've got friends that are feeling it hard right now in this economy. But bad things happen to good people. And it's unfortunate, and, and I've seen it, and it hurts. I've experienced some of that myself. But the Bible says that if we operate in these things, there's never going to be a day that God can't use you. There's never going to be a day when you don't produce fruit. Um, I think that's a way cool promise. These things are going to cost you something, but there's a promise that comes along with them. If these things are yours... It goes right back to knowing Jesus. You see that in verse 8? The knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's never going to be a time. Do you know that you can, you can be, for every reason, you should be freaking out. And God gives you peace. When you can be straight jacked up and you're cool. That kind of fruit you can't buy. And that's what he's talking about. You'll never be barren. There's, oh, do we need to go back to Galatians 5.22 and talk about the fruit of the Spirit? There's things that the Holy Spirit on the inside of you can produce. And what he's, what he's saying is, if you, if you put these into your life, you're going to be producing some stuff. People are going to be affected by you. They're going to be changed by you. Alright, let's, let's keep rolling. So here's the thing. All the verses that we've spoken up to this point, grace, peace, all these precious promises, a divine nature, escaping corruption, and all these additives, they'll never be reached until you really start knowing God. Man, everybody wants to never be barren. Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants... Grace. Everybody wants all this stuff that we've been talking about the past three or four weeks. Everybody wants that stuff. But it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you to have it daily in your life. There's times when you're going to get jacked up and sideways and you ain't producing nothing. And, and you fall on your knees and say, God, I need your help because right now I'm empty. I'm broke. There's nothing happening. And there's times when God will give you grace to get through that time. But day after day after day of your life, things are going to be required of you. 
It's not going to change your eternity. It's going to change your now. You see, grace secures your eternity, but your actions determine your now. And that's why people get all freaked out. And they're like, man, my life is so jacked up. I'm like, well, let's, let's see how you handle life. Let's see how you look at life. Let's see what you're doing. And, and most people that slip into that victim mentality don't do squat. And they found a comfortable chair called victimization and they like it there. I know several people that if, if you were to take away all their problems, they would literally die. They would be no more. Because that's their identity. The air they breathe is their drama. If you take, if you take away their sadness, if you take away their problems, they would vanish. Because they hang their identity on their drama. And those people are sad to hang around. And I'm pretty sure you're not one of my good friends. I'm just saying. I'll, I'll, I'll shake your hand here at the church house, but we ain't going out to eat if you like that. I'm just telling you. I'll counsel you a short time. And then I, I, had, I had one couple, and they, were, they, just, they just lived on drama. I'm not talking about like... like upper middle class drama I'm talking about straight up ghetto drama like Jerry Springer drama and they kept and, and, and our pastor has a PhD and I, I would come into the office and I'd see those people in there they're not here anymore uh, and, and I would see them in there week after week after week after week and finally pastor comes in and knocks on my door he's like hey I got an idea for you He's like, I got this couple that I'm not getting through to. So they came in. I said, here's the deal, guys. I'm not here to stroke your ego. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to give you tools to make your life better. If you're not interested in using the tools, I'm giving you three weeks. In three weeks, I can tell you everything you need to turn your life around. Whether you do them or not. I said, and I would count down. This is your first session. You got two more. At the end of the second session, you got one more. Because I'm not interested in petting you. I'm interested in making you better. And uh, after the third time, many arrests and drug issues later, they 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 went bye bye. I, I I don't I don't know, but I'm pretty sure they got really jacked up again because they were they they wanted they wanted somebody to listen to them. They weren't interested in getting better, and I'm the wrong cat to come with that at. I I, I want to help. I, my my heart bleeds for people. But you're going to have to do some stuff to make your life better. And when the Bible says, add stuff to your faith. And if you do these things, there's never going to be a day when you're broken, when you're barren, when you're not producing fruit. That's, that's some crazy promises right there. Alright. You see, when you know God, I'm not talking about knowing about Him. I'm not talking about reading about Him just necessarily. I'm not talking about knowing the stories about Him. But when you get to know God, your life will change. We've got to get from concept of God to knowing God. And we talked about the only way you can really know God is in your spirit. Not in your intellect. Although that helps. It helps, you. It helps when we read the Bible because it, it, it paints pictures in our life and, and, and into our mind and, and we gravitate towards it. But the connection with God is in your spirit. That's why you can go to 300 churches in the, in the greater Richmond area. 300 churches. And probably 95% of them, when you walk in, they have a schedule. We're going to sing these two songs. 
Sister Smith is going to sing this. Then we're going to do the offering. And then we're going to stand up and you're going to repeat this and I'll repeat that and I'll put my robe on and we're all going to do this and we're going to light some candles and, and we'll go home. And, and sometimes I wondered, God, do you know there's a church on the corner of that street? Because they made themselves feel good, but they never touched you. Most people go to church to purge their conscience. They're not interested in knowing God. Why? Because that's an investment. The Bible says that if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. He's wanting you to hang out. But it's going to cost you some, some of your time. Some, some, of, some of your time every day. And I gave you all a challenge. I don't know if any of you are still into that or not. But I ask you, you get 1,440 minutes a day. If you can't give God 10, you need to call Him Savior because He's not your Lord. Help us, Jesus. And I'm not one of these make you feel bad preachers, you know. <laughs> I'm not. But God has checked me. The word Lord means master. Don't call him your master if you don't spend time with him. Mm, I'm going to shut up there. Because we could go the rest of the time right there. Verse 9, let's keep rolling. For he who lacks these things. Maybe you don't have them all. Maybe I don't have them all. He tells us right here. If you don't have these things, for he who lacks in these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten he was cleansed from his old sins. What it really means there is your vision got foggy. You've lost perspective. Somewhere along the way, you forgot where you came from. You know, that's the thing. When you get churchified a lot and you get real churchy, you learn all the language and you learn the bless yous and this is the day the Lord has made, hello brother, and I'm blessed and highly favored. All that stuff that we say because we heard some other Christians say, it's real easy to get churchy. Don't get churchy. I hope if you're churchy, you're really uncomfortable in this house. I hope you are. I hope you are. I hope, you, I hope somewhere along the way all that church knocks off of you and you want a real relationship with a real God. Amen. Because that's what this church is about. Where was I going? Sometimes when you get churchy, you forget where you came from. And you start thinking of yourself more highly than you should. The Bible says be careful about that. And, and when I see somebody looking down on somebody that's jacked up, I'm like, you know what? You may have been sitting in, in this little steeple, a little room that makes you feel good for 20 years, but 20 years ago, you were jacked up just like this cat right here. And somewhere you forgot it. Somewhere you started feeling good about yourself. Somewhere pride entered in and you started looking down on people that don't live like you do and don't talk like you do. And to be honest with you, I think God's got an easier project on the person at the altar all messed up than He does with you. That's just me. Because God can only do so much and then it's up to you. I hate the fact that He's a gentleman. I wish He was a bully, but He's not. He ain't going to make you be anything. He's asking you. All right. There was an old school. I was raised in a nominal church way back in the day. Um, if you have your Bibles, kick it over to Psalms 40. Psalms chapter 40. 
and it's just kind of following up with what the verse we just said, verse 9. Psalms uh, chapter 40. Psalms is a really cool book. It, if you're stressed out, start reading Psalms. You want somebody to feel you in your pain, read the book of Psalms. Because David, he had some jacked up stuff happen to him and he, and he, he turned out cool. Uh, Psalms chapter 40. And let's look at verse 2 and 3. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. He brought you out of a horrible pit. I, I, don't, I don't know what your background is, but it's really cool when I look across this house... How many people were really, really, not just not nice people, people that are really messed up. But but the Bible says, you brought me out of a pit. You brought me out of a miry clay. You, you, you saved me from some quicksand. And you put my feet upon a rock. That rock is Christ Jesus. And you made me stand. Don't ever forget where you came from. Because if you do... You're not going to have all these promises that is going with these. He says, if, if you don't have these things, you're short-sighted. You got foggy. You forgot where you came from. You've lost perspective. And you know what? I know you're not there yet. I know that we have this idea. We have this concept. Man, this is what it would be like to do a perfect day. I would wake up and I would pray and I would sing all the way to work and I would treat my coworkers great and I would love my manager. I'd love my spouse. I would love my kids. If I could do all that in one day, that's what a real good Christian would be like. But none of us have really ever seen that day, I don't think, because there's days, whether you do it or not, you're thinking about some stuff, right? And... Uh, there's this, there's this fantasy goal that we have that what it would be like to be a perfect Christian. The Bible says that the man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That means your intentions is what He looks at. And there's going to be days when you're going to jack it up. There's going to be days when you lose it. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm walking in there with boots that aren't Christian boots. And I'm going to take care of some business. And... You stand to risk a lot of stuff. You stand to lose your reputation. And you do it anyways. I've done it. There's things that that uh, I've wanted to tell somebody so bad and eventually I did. And then I have to live it down because I'm a man of God. That's when grace comes in and covers you. And you know what? you got to start it all over again and earn everybody's trust back. And that stinks. So think before you pull the trigger on some of those things. But if you do, you have an advocate with the Father. That means Jesus is up there next to God saying, Look, I know they're messed up right now, but that's my boy. That's, that's my girl. He's your attorney. He goes before the judge and says, Look, I know he's messing up. I know they're in a dark place right now, but I'm looking out for him. I got him covered. I'm with him. I know it doesn't look like it, but I'm still with them. Everywhere they go, I'm still with them. God, I'm going to stick up for them. I'm going to put my name on the line for them. Thank God for grace. And you can always say, I'm not 
what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. There was a day when none of y'all would have liked me because I didn't like me. I, I was a jerk. That's the PG version. I was a jerk. And, uh, you know, there's days when that jerk wants to come back to life and, and run my life. And I have, to, I have to kill him. I have to kill that old Pat. I have to kill him. Because if I let him have an inch, he'll take a mile. You've not arrived. Even Paul says, My brethren, I've not apprehended. But this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I press, and I press forward to those things that I'm called to. Um, keep pressing. Alright, I'm getting off subject. I've got to stay with it here. Verse 10. We'll just keep moving here. Therefore, brethren... Be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. For if you do these things... Man, if you didn't trip over verse 8 promise, I want you to check out verse 10 promise. If you do these things, you will never... I don't know what version you got. My version says you will never stumble. Do y'all reading that? That's like, that's like fantasy reading. If you do these things, you will never stumble. Man, how many times have you stumbled and said, Man, I, I know what I want to do, but I, I did it. I said I wasn't going to, and here I am. And every time I make a new resolution, I blow it. But the Bible says that if you do these things, if you make your election, that, that is, what this is is saying that always be looking inside. You know the Bible verses that we talked about that says we need to walk worthy of our calling. We, we, we don't need to quench the Holy Spirit. We need to lay aside every weight and sin that besets us. And we need to lead a life that makes you feel confident about who you are in God. It's not that you got it all together. But you know what your heart's desire is. Because here's the thing, guys. If you constantly get up every morning and you say, Man, I, I suck as a Christian, man. I, I, I just, I try. I know what I want to do, but I'm, I'm just, I stink at this whole thing. You walk into your day... An opportunity will present itself for you to get so jacked up. Why? Because you are not walking in any confidence. I'm not talking about arrogance. But when he says start making your election and your calling sure, there needs to be an assurance inside of you that says, I am what God says I am. I am forgiven. I'm washed. I, yeah, yeah, I'm not perfect, but I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. And in the eyes of God, I am clean and I stand before Him clean. I'm going to tell you, if you have a mindset that you're this mousy, little pushover of a Christian, your life is going to stink, and everyone that comes to you is going to see that. If, if you keep yourself confident, if you, if you don't quench the Spirit, when God speaks to you, listen to Him. Try it. He'll never mess you up. If, if, you, if you don't quench the Holy Spirit, and if you lay aside the weights and the sins that easily beset you, if you follow some of these Bible verses, the Bible says if you do these things, and if you make sure that you're keeping your heart right, 
You do the inspection. You do the inspection. You, you know what's real. You know what you put on paper. But you know what you walk. You know what you don't want nobody in this house to know about. That closet thought life. That closet mindset. That closet stuff that you do when nobody's looking. God says, get to that. Take care of it. Because you, you're not fooling anybody. God sees it. I hate that. The Bible says He knows our thoughts. Isn't that scary? The Bible says He sees what we do in, in private. He knows what we do in, in the dark. And, and, and that's, that's not a point to scare us, but that's the reality that there's no room you can walk into that God is not. There's not enough light you can turn off to where He can't see you. It's scary. He said, keep your election sure. Keep yourself on the altar. Say, man, when I jacked up, God, I am so sorry. You better learn to confess, turn away from it, and go on. And you know what? You're going to do that till they put you in the ground. Don't ever think there's going to be a day when you don't need the mercy and the grace of God. Don't ever think there's a place where you can arrive to where you're on easy street. There's no way. That's the fight of faith. The fight of faith is you in your stupid head. That's what the fight of faith is. We can, we can glam it all up with a bunch of tater salad words if we want to. But the thing is, it's Pat fighting Pat. Yes, there's the enemy out there wants to destroy us. Yes, all that. But I'm the trigger man. Nothing happens to me that I don't okay. And let me tell you something that really stinks. There's not a thought you think of more than a second that you don't say okay to. I just can't stop thinking these thoughts, Pastor Pat. Who can we call? Who's the authority on your thought life? The answer stinks because it's you. I don't care how many how much oil I put on your head. I don't care if I pray in an unknown tongue. I don't care if we have angels come and see you. You determine what happens in your life. Now, as a training process, it's tough. I gotta go. See what happens when I get off my notes, guys. I'm sorry. Verse 8 says, if you add these things, you'll produce fruit. This one's even better. If you do these things, you won't even stumble. Man, I don't know. Sometimes I think that's crazy talk right there. Verse 11. For so an interest will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus and Savior Jesus Christ. He's saying this. If you add stuff to your faith, <laughs> God's going to add something for you. He's going to add an entrance. He's going to open doors for you into His kingdom. If you do some of these things, God's not, God's not just telling you to do stuff. He's saying, if you do these things, I'm going to open an entrance into my kingdom for you. That's the trip. 12 through 15, let's read them. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent. He's talking about his body, his flesh, and his blood. As long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. 
knowing that shortly I must put off this tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. I want you to hear this. He's saying these things that I'm telling you are so important to me. It's not enough that you hear me preach them. It's not enough that I'm writing you this letter. I want you to remember these things after I'm dead. Peter's putting it down right here. I'm not playing. The first 15 verses that that Peter wrote, he's saying, I want this to be my legacy. If you don't hear anything else I say, you read these first 15 verses. Because what I'm telling you are keys to having a successful Christian life. If you can do these things, and, and they're not easy. And if we could do half of them, we'd be so much better off. But Peter's saying, I'm so adamant about this that I want you to remember this when I'm dead and gone. I'm about ready to check out. I know it's my time. I know I'm going to die. One of the most frustrating things as a mature Christian is when God brings back to your remembrance something you've already learned, but you forgot. Hate that man. You know, it's like there's gonna be times in your life when you're messed up on something, and God reveals some truth to you through a preacher, through his word, through his spirit, you get a hold of it. You're like, aha, I got this, I got this, I got a revo, I got a revelation. I had this aha moment. And you get out of that drama, you get out of that, something sets you free, you know, God just showed you something, and, and you got out of it. And, and this is the thing that I can't stand. Sometimes God will come back and say, you remember that thing you learned last year? You're doing it again. Somewhere you picked it back up. You had it defeated. You had, it, you had the door shut, but somehow that door's cracked open again. And now you're getting hammered because you forgot what you learned. He's really stressing remembrance here. It's so important to Peter that he says, uh, I've got, you've got to remember this. I'm going to tell you again. Look at, look at the words he uses, man. I'm going to remind you. <laughs> I'm going to stir you up. I will be careful to ensure you and I will have to remind you over and over and over again. If your life is jacked up, if you're not feeling fulfilled, go back through these verses. Add to your faith. Spice up your life. Add something to your faith. There are... Can you imagine one of your last will and testaments? I don't know. If, if, if you knew that you were going to check out, out of here tomorrow and you was going to the grave tomorrow, what would you be telling your friends and family that gather around your bed? What is it that you would tell them? What would you pass on to them? This is what Peter's doing right here. He's like, look, Don't do some of the things I did. Isn't it ironic that he talks about self-control? We're talking about a dude that freaked out when they thought he was going to arrest Jesus and cut a dude's ear off. 
And he's telling us to have self-control. He's telling us, man, listen, that some of the best advice you can give people is don't do what I did. And if you remember me for anything, I want you to remember me for this one thing. There's something in your heart that burns with such passion that you want to be remembered for. There's a conversation that you have with a lot of people that cross your path. And whatever that thing is that constantly comes up, that's a passion in you. And we hope that that's something that you're remembered for. I don't know. One of these days, I'm going to be gone. I don't know what you all think about Pat Dale. I hope that you all think that he was straight enough to lay it out straight without foo-fooing it up and giving you a bunch of whipped cream. I was just trying to lay it out there for you. I hope so. I hope so. Because... I, I could uh, come up here and be a motivational speaker and give you rainbows and clouds. Or I can say, hey man, do you want a better life? Yeah. Start acting this way. Right. Peter says, look, I'm headed out. I, and I, I don't know what you want your life to mean. This letter is from Paul, I'm sorry, from Peter. And he's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. In case you forget, look at my letter. And if he could, he would he would come back and preach it again, I'm sure. Verse 16, For we do not follow cunning devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we are eyewitnesses of His majesty. We're going to go into that. Do you remember Peter was there on the Mount of Transfiguration? He was there. Remember those guys fell asleep and they woke up and they saw Jesus? <laughs> and they saw this crazy light and their, their, their clothes were as raiment. Their, their clothes were like lights. And I can't imagine them rubbing their eyes saying, Wait, how long have we been asleep, dude? There's Jesus and this whole mountaintop is lit up. And there's not only is there Jesus, but there's Moses and Elijah. Dude, those guys have been dead for centuries. He was there. And he saw this stuff. He's passing on a lot of stuff that he... Uh, anytime you can read first-hand accounts of somebody that hung out for three and a half years with Jesus, you need to read him. You need to read Mark. You need to read John. You need to read Peter. And, and, and the list goes on and on. Because these guys have something you and I didn't have. They hug the neck of our Savior. They washed His plates. They made arrangements for Him. We've met Him in our spirit. These guys met Him in real life, flesh and blood. I think they got some stuff to share. Thank you for joining us for this Wednesday evening podcast from Bethesda Worship Center. You can find more out about us at BethesdaWorshipCenter.com and by liking us on Facebook.